What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Today, I am joined by Alex Comstock and Heath Cisco, and we are talking all about how to stay warm while hunting deer in the late season. Now, this information is super timely. We're finally getting some cold temperatures across the Midwest. You're going to hear that Alex was hunting in temperatures in the negative 20s in North Dakota this year. So if there's anyone you should be taking advice from on how to stay warm in the late season, Alex is definitely one of those guys. Heath is as well. Heath's nickname is the Iceman. He is constantly getting it done in the late season. It's actually one of his favorite times to fill his tags in Ohio. So Heath has some really good input input on how to stay warm in the late season grind. So I hope this information helps you guys. I hope you learned something. If you're headed to the ATA show this weekend, have a great time. And if you see any products or anything that you want to hear more about, let me know and I will do my best to get the necessary people on the podcast. As always, thanks for listening. If you are finding value in this podcast, please take the time, leave me a five-star written review. It really, really helps. And tell a friend about the podcast, and we will continue to bring you guys some awesome gear-related podcast episodes. But without further ado, let's get into today's conversation. All right, guys, I'm back. I am live. I'm sitting down today with Heath Cisco. Now, if you guys are familiar with Whitetail Cribs at all, you may have seen Heath's episode of Whitetail Cribs. Um, I just want to say, Heath, straight up, this uh, your episode was the favorite episode, my favorite episode I've ever shot, and you were my favorite guest by far from anyone that we recorded with when I was we were sitting down talking to you i told chad i was like i feel like i could talk to that guy for the rest of my life well i appreciate it i really appreciate you guys uh having me on it uh it means a lot i think the world of you guys i love what you're doing uh and bringing uh, all this information out and uh especially the new stuff that you've started with your gear and stuff uh, it's great so i appreciate it yeah i appreciate you you coming on and what i want to talk to you about today is um it's kind of time relevant it's getting cold finally and your nickname is the ice man so i want to talk to you about how the heck you're staying warm in these frigid temperatures you up to that oh absolutely cool so um the first thing that i need to know is uh what's your uh like what is your just gear set up like clothing wise what are you wearing so uh, you want to jump right into uh, late season when it's really cold? Yeah, so like okay. b- below 30 degrees. Okay, sounds good. So yeah, my system completely changes at the 30 degree mark. So below 30 degrees, uh, you know, feet wise, we'll start out with the boots. Uh, for years, I wore a pair of uh, muck boots that were loose on my feet. And I think that was very important uh, to keep the air pockets and stuff in there with just a regular uh, thick insulated sock that I would wear. Now I've uh, moved up to uh, these uh, Kentrack boots. They're the Northern boots. Uh, They're wool lined. Um, They have a lot better air pockets, insulation. They're rubber bottomed. 
uh, and they're really thick in your soul. That way, when you're standing on your stand or on the ground, uh, the, you don't have the, uh, the cold transfer. Um, so that's my feet. My uh, underlayers, I like merino wool. I've heard you talk about merino wool a lot, but I love merino wool for underlayers. I have a thin pair of underwear and then a thin, uh, you know, a thin long sleeve shirt and then uh, pull-ons. And then I'll go with a thicker pair over that. Uh, and I, on my top, I wear a, uh, I love the uh, Sitka. And like I said, I'm not brand specific. I'm not advertising for any brands, but this is just what I use. I like the Sitka um, um, Fanatic hoodies. And uh, cause I like to be able to pull the ends over my fingers when I'm walking in. That way I don't have to wear gloves. Uh, I like being able to pull the hood up over my head. It's got that internal face mask, which is great. Uh, and I like that. And then I'll throw a thicker merino wool uh, quarter zip over top of that. And that's usually what I use to walk in with. Uh, I carry almost everything else, especially my bibs and jacket. You know, people think, well, you just wear merino wool in your lower, your lower part where the, the bibs I wear, they're just too warm to wear in. And I don't want to sweat up. You don't want to break any sweat when you're walking in. So I carry my stuff in. And then when I get to my tree, I either get uh, get my bibs on at the base of the tree or I climb up in the tree and I wear a, a Sitka Fanatic bibs and jacket. And then uh, moving, go ahead. That um, Fanatic bibs and jacket is like, uh, I just can't say enough about that setup. What version do you have? Do you have like an, an older version or do you have one of the newer ones? Mine's an older version. It's one, It's the first version they come out with is mm -hmm. what I have. It's fantastic yeah. and, stuff. And, and and I love it. And it's the warmest stuff. You just can't walk in and out with it. It's too warm. Right. And then uh, on my hands, uh, I wear the Fanatic gloves because I like having a, uh, I don't like thick, bulky gloves, um, but I like, uh, they seem like they're pretty insulated for as thin as they are or pretty keep you pretty warm. But the main uh, kicker to all that is hand warmers. Mm -hmm. keeping your uh keeping hand warmers in your pocket the fanatic jacket's great where you can actually reach completely through and touch your other hand that way you can rub your hands together if needed uh and i mostly have my hands in my pocket at times um, i've killed several deer when it's been down to eight degrees and uh you gotta be careful when you i mean any any bit of skin that's showing uh, you're going to get kind of uh, frostbite you know on it down to that temperature especially with a uh, wind chill factor of a lot lower Oh, yeah. um, but uh, but I like that, and I try to minimize with my hands out, and when I got a hold of my bow, uh, to draw back. And you know, I have been pinned down before, and uh, have kind of it's just a mild frostbite on my trigger finger, and then uh, you know, just you got to be careful uh, when it gets down really cold. But uh, most of the time, low temperatures, as long as you don't have that wind chill, isn't that bad. Sure. Yeah, that's um, I think the consensus is going to be that that Sitka fanatic set is probably the best stuff money can buy when it comes to late season bow hunting. Um, it's just, it's hard to beat the wind. The wind stopper is the biggest thing for me. And when it's cold out and it's windy, that stuff just cuts you to your core and it's hard to sit there at all. Absolutely. With, with any uh, temperature, I mean, even if you get down in the forties, if you don't have that much, uh, that thick of clothing and stuff on you need some kind of wind stopper in your outer layer or right underneath uh i, I like wearing the uh, um you know the down jacket the kuyu makes a great one the ultra down i wear it under a fleece jacket with uh with wind stopper 
at almost any time except when I get down below 30 degrees. So, yeah, that seems to be that's going to be. I mean, if you're looking for some cold weather hunting gear, the the Sitka Fanatic is at the very top of the line there. Um, you, so you talked about your boots for a little bit and you talked about your socks. Are, are those socks merino or are they just a, a wool sock? Yes, they are uh, darn tough socks. Mm-hmm. Those are great. And they're all, they're all merino and uh, that's what I've had good experience with. I know that, uh, you know, there's other brands out there the same way with the uh, Fanatic suit. You know, I don't know if First Light has a good one or other uh, companies, but it's just what I use. I've never experienced any of the other ones, haven't tried them. So uh, that's what, and before I had the, uh, the Sitka Fanatic, I had a ground, uh, it's called a, it was made by Browning and it was a uh, full on bibs and jacket and I still have it. And it has a Gore-Tex lining in it, extra, I, I don't know how many grams of Thinsulate, but it was very warm as well, but it wasn't as warm as the uh, Sitka Fanatic. So. Mm-hmm. Are you switching boots when you get into the later season or are you wearing the same boots all year? No, I'm switching boots. Uh, when it gets down below, uh, like I said, 30 degrees and maybe just a little colder than that, I'll switch to those uh, Kintrack boots or I'll have my uh, my muff boots that are a little loose. It depends on how far I have to walk. When sure. I have normal season above 30 degrees, I, I just got a pair of crispy non-insulated uh, you know, hiking boots. Mm-hmm. And I do that little trick where you just cover the toes with a wool sock. <laughs> and yeah, it seems that's... like that works great. Yeah, Byron turned me on to that too. And I was, I've been doing that. And that's like a that's a, a really good tip. But like you said, with those can track boots, they're thicker and it provides yes. that insulation layer that you don't need to to do that with the wool sock. Yeah, and you know, I used to wear wear always always wear a rubber boots. I mean, that was a big thing in the hunting industry for the last 20 years. Yeah. You know, wear rubber boots, go wear rubber boots. And I was right in the middle of it. But how many times you get out there, the time you get to your stand and get set up, your feet's wet. Yep. And, and then you just can't get out of that. And then you pull your foot out of your boot after a four-hour hunt when you're back at the cabin or whatever, and your feet stink. And yeah. then when you're walking in and out, you got that thing puffing and just coming right out the top. And I finally smartened up, and uh, I just went to the hiking boot. And, man, it's made my uh, – it's just made hunting more enjoyable walking in and out and then uh, being on stand. Yeah, especially when you're hunting uh, your kind of style of hunting for, for folks who – may not be familiar um like betting hunting betting is a, a big tactic of yours and if you're going in there with big rubber boots tromping all over the place like it's hard to be quiet with rubber boots yes absolutely we absolutely. did a, we did an episode of our gear gadget series on um on youtube and i kind of i i said uh it's kind of bold but i said there's no place in hunting for rubber boots <laughs> i um <laughs> i just i don't i don't like them i think there's way better options and if you're hunting marshy areas or swamps or something yes okay you probably have to do that but if it were me and i was still hunting a swamp or something i'd just wear gaiters and still wear my hiking boots because it it's just so much more comfortable and the breathability factor like rubber boots do not breathe at all and there's like a big kind of misconception where you think you have to have like 2,000 gram insulate boots when you're hunting cold weather and people are like, well, I could have 5,000 gram insulate. My feet will still be cold. Well, that's because your feet aren't breathing and you're sweating. Yes, absolutely. You're 100% correct. Uh, I still have a pair of muck boots that I'll wear in early season every once in a while. It just depends. I, I like using creeks as access. Mm-hmm. So if the creek's got a little bit of water in it, you know, they're, 
I got to walk through, you know, eight to 10 inches of water. Well, then I'll wear my uh, muff boots in every once in a while. Or I got a pair of these uh, Under Armour boots. They're kind of like, they're neoprene and stuff like um, the muff boots. But mm-hmm. I wear them on occasions. But, man, it's just nice to be able to slip on them hiking boots and wear, and wear them in and not have to worry about clammy, wet feet. Yeah. When, so which Krispies do you have? Um, I have the, uh, what are they, the Thors, I think yeah. what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have That's- those. Do you switch out the insoles in those, or are you leaving the the base insoles in? I've got the base insoles in. I've never switched them out. Now, after watching Byron's videos and stuff, I may try that, but mine just feels so comfortable with the regular soles in them. I I just keep wearing those. Yeah, this is something um, I'm going to look into this year. because So the other person that is going to be part of this podcast here, his name's Alex Comstock. And he hunts huh? in like North Dakota and in the late season, he just killed a buck in North Dakota. And I think the field like temperature was negative 20. And wow. Yeah. I was like, so how the heck are you keeping your feet warm? And yeah, he takes the insoles out of his boots yep. and he, he um, replaces them with like Sherpa lined um, Ugg slipper insoles. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard anyone doing that, but he said, it's like amazing. And then huh. it, when we had Byron on um, a couple times, he talked about like people spend $300 on a pair of boots and then they have $20 insoles in them. And yeah, I, that's something that I'm, I think I'm going to mess with this year is adding some insoles, but with those crispies, it's like you're walking on a cloud already. Yes. They're so comfortable. I mean, I was always before, you know, I didn't want to pay over 130, $140 for a pair of boots. Uh, these crispies, I think ran a little over 200. But gosh, it's it's just like buying uh, Walmart camo compared to Sitka. Yep. You know, there's you get what you pay for in most things, and uh, I just they're really nice. I have heard of people, and I've never done it myself, of taking the insoles out and cutting a piece of uh, foam foil foam insulation that's mm-hmm. like uh, eighth inch to quarter inch thick, and putting that on the bottom of their sole or you know inside their uh, insole, and then put it back on top of it. And that way, it gets a reflective. Uh, factor to keep cold out when you're standing on cold ground and stuff but hmm, i've never tip. done it. I've, ne- I've never done it myself so so when it comes to hunting in the late season are you still doing a lot of hanging hunts or are you ha- hunting pre-preset stands so uh i i increase my my pre-hung stands a lot uh so i'm very mobile still but usually i have the stand hung because uh, I won't want, I don't want to sweat up with all them flows and stuff on. So I try to, uh, I try to mainly hunt out of pre-hung stands, but like I said, I I'll hang a pre-hung stand. I'll hunt it that evening. I may tear it down and move it somewhere else the next day and then uh, come back in that evening and hunt it. Yeah. That's something I was curious about. Cause if you're walking in with a uh, Marina wool base layers and then you're trying to hang a, hang a stand and you're all bundled up and yeah, that would be, that would be, it's, it would it's, be hard. It, it is hard, uh, but, you know, I'm mainly hunting evenings, too. I'm not doing much morning hunting, mm-hmm. so it makes it a little bit easier, but I've always got to have that stand, uh, an extra stand sitting there in case something changes. The wind is a little bit different than what I have set up for. That way I can, uh, that way I'm not stuck in one tree. Yeah, no, no sure. That I mean, if it comes down to it, you got to do what you got to do. Yes. Um, are you doing anything with your bow to keep it from freezing or is there anything, have you had any bad experiences like, like that? Well, I tell you uh, what I do is it depends on what the conditions are, but if it's snowing and sleeting and stuff, 
uh, during my hunt, uh, I, I'll want to pull my bow back off it. And I want to make sure I keep my arrow clean because you don't want beads of ice beat up, uh, beating up on your arrow when you draw your bow back and it bounces around in your rest. Uh, you don't want things froze up. I have hunted before and had my release freeze up on me. And I had to, uh, in the middle of the deer coming in and stuff, I had to release in my mouth uh, blowing on it uh, to get the uh, air from my, from, you know, inside my lungs, the warm air to uh, release the release to where I could make the shot. And I did actually, uh, I was successful on that hunt, but wow. mainly just, uh, uh, you know, don't keep a bunch of wax build up on your string. If you do have wax on your string or you do wax it, shoot your bow a few times. I always get in my stand. I pull my bow back, make sure everything's good. And uh, like I said, if it's snow and sleeting, uh, misting rain, freezing rain, I want to pull my bow back every once in a while. And especially your cable slide uh, depends on if you got a little, uh, you know, pulley in there or just a regular slide. You want to make sure that thing stays loose. So on mine right now, uh, when I uh, I shoot a Lobo, and when mine right now gets close to closing time or you know the deer start coming out i'll take my hand and slide that thing back and forth just to make sure it's not froze up yeah i think those are really important tips to make because um recently i've talked to a few people that have like absolute horror stories with um going that moment of truth that you've been waiting for all year and you go to shoot the deer and your bow blows up because it's frozen and i don't think that's something like if i were hunting when it was super cold, I wouldn't even be thinking about it because I'd want my hands in my pockets the whole time and I wouldn't want to touch my bow. And then at that point it would be too late. So um, I'm glad I asked that question because those are some really good tips. Sure. And you got to pay attention to your other equipment too, like your tree stand. I mean, mm -hmm. you want to make sure you go over that thing and everything's uh, lubed up good uh, and, and in a proper operating order, because I mean, when it gets cold, you can have a stand on a tree that you hang and, uh, 40 to 50 degree weather and you get in that thing when that thing's frozen or whatever it could creak and do whatever so you got to make sure it stays it's stable and stuff try not to move around a lot when deer are coming in uh, in late season hunting you need to hunt low anyways because they'll silhouette you and uh you want to make it to where you have a minimum amount of movement uh just like the other day i you know just three days ago i got cracked by a buck at 50 yards that i was going to try to shoot and it's because I was I was kind of trying to position myself in the stand. Didn't think there was a chance in the world for him to pin me down, and he just caught me. And wow. so now I've it's it's just part of late season hunting. It's tough. They're on. They've been chased all year. They've got coyotes after them, other predators. You just got to be uh, careful and on your A game. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's the um the late season um legend himself getting caught. <laughs> It's tough, but it happens, and you got to expect that, and just uh, readjust and uh, keep pounding it and grinding it out. Sure. So, what would be, um, what would be the biggest? What would be your top three biggest tips to staying warm on late season hunts? Um, not working up a sweat on the way in. Uh, wearing uh, something that has, uh, like we discussed, is. Uh, it has a wind protection in it to where the wind doesn't cut through. Uh, wear the proper boots to where your feet don't get clammy on the way in and uh, cover your, keep your skin covered as much as possible and just uh, minimum movement when you're on stand. Sure. Are you, are you doing anything, uh, like are you taking a conscious effort to sit less or sit fewer hours on stand in these temperatures or are you still trying to um, get out there early as you can? 
uh, every situation's different, uh, but uh, most generally you want to minimize as much as you can. But sometimes you got to, it depends on where your stand position is. You got to get in early and you got to uh, set it out. Uh, mm-hmm. But I like getting in and just getting in a, uh, you know, a good three hour hunt in the evening. Uh, but it just depends on, uh, you know, the, what the movement's going to be like. You know, if it's a crappy day, uh, maybe the movement won't be till real late. But if it's a, uh, a good deer movement day, you got to get in a little earlier to beat the does in because uh, that's harder. Uh, you got to, there's usually when you're hunting, they're herded up. Uh, the bucks, you know, there's going to be numerous bucks usually when they're coming through. So you got a lot of eyes to beat. Yeah. So, so you need to be in there and be positioned to be ready. Hopefully at that point, the adrenaline keeps you warm. Well, that's uh, it definitely gets you cranked up. I, <laughs> I love hunting in uh, cold weather and snow, and you just know that them deer are going to be up, up and moving. And uh, the anticipation of it uh, definitely keeps your blood flowing. Yeah, this past uh, or this season, I'm taking a hard effort to look at the weather. And if I get any snow, I'm going to take the advice that you gave on um, – trail cam radio last year on late season hunting you talked about how much you scout in the late season like the scouting doesn't stop you're still scouting even in the late season and you cut that deer's track in the snow got a picture of them on your cell cam knew his track would be in there followed it found out that you weren't in the game at all moved farms and ended up killing that deer yeah i mean you got to stay on top of it because these deer will find certain areas that they're not that maybe they're normally not in and you got to find those areas. And then once you get in them, you're in them. But if you, if you, if they pick up on you, uh, you got to pay attention because they're probably going to move and adjust. So you got to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's, uh, that's good for me. Do you have any, uh, concluders here as we, uh, give some tips to people on staying warm? I know this weekend is going to be, um, a dynamite weekend to hunt here in the Midwest and most of the people are going to be at ATA. So that's pretty unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, all I could say is uh, pay attention to weather patterns. Uh, not all days are great hunting, even if they are cold. Um, I like changes as the same way in early any time during the season. Uh, I like after a nasty a weather front comes through the first bluebird sky day uh, after the weather front. Uh, you know, I don't go. You may only get a couple chances at a certain buck in late season. Uh, so you got to make the most of it. And you want to be in there uh, when he's moving and not uh, when he's uh, bedded up and not going to move till after dark. So you just got to, you got to get a feel for it uh, and uh, just pay attention to the weather. Yeah, sure. Uh, I will say, Heath, as we're sitting here talking, my cell cameras are going off. So yeah, I think you're going to be, um, you're going to be pretty sad being at 18. I know, I know, <laughs> uh, but I still got, I mean, you know, I look at Ohio season. We don't go out till the first week of February. Last year, I killed my buck on February 4th. So wow. I still feel confident it's going to happen. So we'll yeah. see. Well, good luck to you and uh, safe travels. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. I am live. I am sitting down here on this lovely December morning, 7 a.m. Uh, Central Time for my guest here. I have Alex Comstock sitting down with me. Alex, for anyone that is maybe not familiar with you, give yourself an introduction. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, so I, I run Whitetail DNA, which is, um, you know, I guess an online, you know, website, blog, um, YouTube channel. Last couple of years when, you know, it's been more YouTube, less blogs, but uh, do a lot of, you know, video stuff and then do a lot of writing for 
you know, hunting magazines and whatnot, you know, primarily North American whitetails where you can see a lot of my writing work nowadays. So pretty much if it has to do with whitetails, you know, I'm doing it, you know, pretty much all year round. Awesome. That's why, uh, that's why you're sitting down with me here today. I, I respect everything that you're doing and I respect your opinion. Um, Alex, where are you from? What's, what state do you live in? So I live up in Northern Minnesota. Okay. So that's why this conversation is happening because I want to talk to you about staying warm in extreme temperatures and you find yourself hunting in some really extreme temperatures in Northern Minnesota. I know you hunt North Dakota, just had a freaking yep. awesome hunt. They built a snow blind. Temperatures <laughs> were below freezing every day. So I want to talk to you about staying, how to stay warm as a bow hunter in those extreme temperatures. You feeling open to that? Yeah, let's do it. Well, first off, give uh, let's give some perspective as to why um, someone should listen to what you have to say. Kind of break down that um, North Dakota snow blind hunt and then like what your system was and what you were wearing. Yeah, so just got back from North Dakota, what, last Monday is when I shot my buck out there and spent five days out there. And, you know, North Dakota is, um, you know, one of the most interesting states I've ever hunted as far as um, – temperatures and you know hunting early September when it's you know 90 degrees and hunting you know when I killed my buck it was you know the feel like temperature you know was about 20 below and I mean and out there there's there's nothing so like that wind's coming across the prairie and it just and it, it's brutal you know I lived out there for four years I went to college out there so I mean got to experience that in full um, but this last hunt <laughs> was five days out there and we had the first four days were all in that 20-ish below and then I had, we had one warm day where it warmed up to about 30 and then the last day was back to 20 below and uh you know yeah build a snow like so out there there's not much to hunt um I actually hunt a big river bottom system um that's where I spent like most of my time during the rut and uh late season here all these deer were piling into a pretty much a a poorly cut cornfield i mean there's just so much corn in this field in north dakota you can actually bait in late season that's you know typically the ticket is getting you know a ton of different spots rolling and figuring out where these deer are herding up and here baiting wasn't even really a thought because there was so much corn in this cornfield that's where all the deer were piling into but there was zero cover i mean there wasn't a tree line there wasn't anything i could tuck a ground blind into and you know, so I try to get creative. My buddy was out there. Me and my buddy did this three or four years ago, trying building a snow blind. And uh, I'd gotten close, but, you know, kind of, you know, half-assed it and it wasn't that tall or big. And, you know, you get you can get busted still pretty easily, even if you're in white camo when you've got that many deer around. I mean, I was every night seeing, you know, triple digits and as far as the amount of deer I was seeing. And I mean, it's, it's awesome, but it's almost like too many deer. To, yeah. You know what I mean? Especially when there's the one night, you know, I'm seeing a hundred deer and 10 of them are bucks, you know? So it's, <laughs> I'd rather see 25 deer and have them be 10 bucks. But um, anyway, so on the edge of this cornfield, I built this snow blind and uh, I started off trying actually a, another buddy gave me his ghost blind to use and I'd never used a ghost blind and tried that where I put the ghost blind up and essentially built you know if you can picture it building snow around the ghost blind on the outside of it where like facing the cornfield 
And so the thought was deer would come in the cornfield, that ghost blind would, you know, reflect the, the snow on the corn and whatever. But what ended up happening is a lot of deer would come out into this field behind me as well, and then make their way behind me over into the cornfield. And the inside of this ghost blind's green or whatever, and deer would pick me off like it was nothing because I didn't have the back built super high. So then deer in front of me, you know, it's so windy out there, like pretty much all the time. And even when the wind's, you know, not technically blowing like crazy, it's still coming across pretty good. And the ghost blind would kind of, would kind of just like shake enough because mm -hmm. I couldn't stick it down because the ground's, you know, frozen solid. <laughs> so even deer in front of me were a little leery of it. And night one, I actually had a buck come in at, at he was about 35 and I missed him and he was super panicky and you know he it was a mix of me shooting high and him ducking and so then i ended up ditching the ghost blind all together and built up this snow blind like you know pretty much if i'm sitting on my butt it's definitely way above my head and you know i put a bunch of corn stalks in it and trying to just like make it look as if almost nothing is there and the the problem with the ghost blind was and i should have built like a peephole in it <laughs> so i could like see deer coming because I always have to poke my head up, you know, and pretty much anytime you poke your head up is you're risking getting busted. Yeah. You're exposed at that and, point. Yeah. I mean, so long story short, over the course of the next four nights, I had shooters in range every single night, got busted a few different times and uh, continued just to kind of modify the blind pretty much every day, adding corn stock, building it up a little bit. And on the last day, I kind of thought I had it perfected and ended up having you know, buck come into 15 yards and was able to put them down in the last half an hour of my, you know, pretty much hunt out in North Dakota. So it was pretty epic. It was a ton of fun, seeing a ton of deer, but it was, you know, like I said, when I shot my buck, it was about 20, when I looked, you know, 22, 23 ish below was, you know, like on the weather channel app, it's, you know, negative five feels like negative 22. And uh, yeah, so that is, that is incredible. And like, those temperatures are the extreme of the extreme. Like you're not going to really find yourself in scenarios where it's any colder. You're wanting to hunt in any colder temperatures. And I really wanted to talk to you because you have experience with both of the premier cold weather camos uh, being Sitka and first light and you're, yeah. wear, you're wearing first light now. Um, what was, how do you get geared up for a, a negative 20 degree temperature hunt? What's, what's your system looking like? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I'd say is not to sit too long. I've mm -hmm. experienced like trying to sit too long in that. And it's just no matter what you're in, it's pretty much not fathomable to keep your extremities warm that long, you know, your fingers, toes, face, all that good stuff. You can keep your body warm, but you know, so what I was rocking for the first light was my bottoms, I was just wearing a pair of, you know, they call it the furnace long johns. So it's just really warm base layer. And then I'd go straight to my sanctuary, you know, 2.0 bibs, which just, you know, they're really warm outerwear on um, their heaviest stuff. And then that's all I did on the bottom is just long underwear and the bibs. And then up top, I'd do a, you know, a, a wool, you know, merino wool base layer, which I would wear, you know, they call it their wick tee. I just had put a t-shirt on first. And then I would put on a furnace Henley which is another just really warm, you know, wool, you know, piece. And then what I do is put on, it's called their Uncompadre 2.0 jacket. So it's a, you know, pretty much a puffy jacket, 
And it's that not even a whitetail, you know, centric piece. Um, it's a little loud on the outside, but it worked great as a, as a mid layer. And then I'd put the Sanctuary 2.0 jacket over top. And so, you know, essentially you're wearing three warm layers. And for me, I would wear just the Henley and the Uncompadre walk into anything because I'm trying my best not to get sweated up and then put the jacket on as soon as I get there. And for me, it's, you know, I've got the big, they call them their trigger mitts. You know, it's pretty much big gloves that keep my fingers and stuff warm and switch to my bow hunting gloves pretty much last second. And then from there, it's keep your face covered as possible. Keep your, my hands in my jacket or hand muff with, you know, about 80 hand warmers till <laughs> right till I need to use them as that's what's going to kill you is your toes and your and your fingers yeah what are the what are the socks and boots you're wearing yeah so i'm wearing um it was a first light um you know pretty much mid-weight socks so it's merino wool again and then what i'm wearing then from there i put a you know pretty much an adhesive you know um hot hands foot warmer and then i put a it's called a heat holder sock um you can get it for like 20 bucks on Amazon. They're really thick wool, pretty much. Um, First Light's got some really good late season socks as well, which I had, but all mine were pretty much either super dirty or crusty and, I, you know, switched yeah. through socks. So wearing this heat holder sock, which I really actually like. Um, and then I'm wearing the lacrosse Alpha Burley 800s. And so... I was that, you know, I've got my boots a little big for my late season because when you go double sock and a warmer in there, you don't want your foot to be constricted a ton because once you get that constriction, I mean, you're toast. Yeah, if, you, so, if your feet can't breathe, you start sweating. And when you start yeah. sweating, that's when uh, that's when you get cold. Yeah, I mean, and another thing that I do, which I actually surprised, I mean, it kind of sounds dumb, but surprisingly helps a lot is I took out my insoles on my boots and I put in UGG sheepskin um, mm. insoles, like literally from, you know, you think of it for girls' boots, UGGs, but they've got men's um, stuff. And so they got a sheepskin insole, which I'm not lying. It, it makes a huge difference in wicking moisture because my feet sweat like it's, you know, I mean, like a ton and uh, makes a huge difference. I've never heard that. Yeah, neither did I. I some, some guys I follow on Instagram, it was like a big thing going around last year and I decided to try it this year and I was like, what's it going to hurt? And they were like 20 bucks. And it, I was very surprised. Like I'm debating getting those insoles for my early season boots just to help keep my feet from sweating as much. Yeah. I just wrote that down. I'm going to keep that in, in mind and I'm going to try it out. That sounds, uh, that's something I struggle with a lot is my feet. Um, yeah. If I can stay warm pretty easily in my core, but my yep. feet, my toes, and as soon as those go, like you're just the entire yeah. time you're just thinking about like, oh my God, my feet are cold, my feet are cold. You're not thinking about the hunt. You're not thinking about where the deer are going to come from. And right. what I do a little bit um, to keep my toes, my toe box warm was a suggestion from Byron Horton. And it's like his claim to fame, but he takes a, uh, a wool sock, like an old wool sock, and he cuts it in half. And then he puts that on the outside of his boot as he's oh. hunting so like if you think about um your body you know you use an outer yeah. layer 
to keep yourself warm for the toes it's the same way it's just another insulation piece on the outside yeah. that separates um like you have your boot material which is thin rubber most of the time which right. gets cold so you put a little insulation piece over top of that and it helps a lot yeah i've got a pair of those um like booties from like arctic shield mm-hmm. and in this situation i would have been wearing them but being that i was in a like just the snow blind and with how cold it was everything was so crusty like and they'll make you big enough like my they would have made you know given enough extra material to like it was small enough and would have made enough noise where i decided against it but yeah that makes sense i mean i've heard of people in like tree stands putting like a little piece of carpet down mm-hmm. um anything to like get away from that metal contact yeah. a lot of you know little nicks you know nifty tricks you can kind of do with with your feet yeah and that's i mean that's like the most important in my opinion the most important thing to like keep your feet warm keep your fingers warm especially your hands that's something um i don't do well enough either because i like have this complex with i don't want to wear gloves and if i do wear gloves i'm wearing the uh fingerless talus gloves and i love those but if it's really cold and i take my hands out of my hand muff like I have like a minute and then my yeah. hands are frozen, but I don't want to have like a deer come in and me not be able to shoot it. Cause I have these big giant gloves on. So, right. um, which gloves did you say you were wearing the, their, uh, the, sh- the shooter gloves? No, they're like the, t- the trigger mitts. So they're pretty trigger. much just like the big, you know, club, you know, gloves. And that was what I wear just for the walk in and out. I keep right next to my backpack. So when it's time to pack up, like I'm trying to put those on as fast as possible. During the hunt, I was wearing on my left hand, uh, the catalyst glove. And that's, you know, the hand where I didn't really care about touching anything or having any dexterity as much where I could still hold my bow fine. And then my right hand, I was wearing the full finger talus glove. And in a perfect world, I'm wearing the fingerless. But when it's that cold, I mean, you just, I can't, I don't want any skin exposed at that point pretty much. Yeah, negative no. 20, you're talking about um, frostbite. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. Um, what is – did you run the Sanctuary 1.0 as well? Or did you – Yeah. What's, what's the biggest difference between the 1.0 and the 2.0? So I'd say the biggest difference is definitely, like, the wind membrane. The st- You know, I mean, what people would think of as wind stopper. Um, you know, it really cuts down on that wind like quite a bit and it's a little more slim like it's not quite as bulky so i mean there's it's a a couple of little things like that that make quite the difference um where i take the 2.0 over the i don't i'm sure they don't sell the first version anymore but yeah the um so let's let's do a little bit of discussion comparing sitka's fanatic system to the sanctuary um right off the bat like the first thing that you notice with any of these cold weather systems will be at the um, sanctuary, the fanatic, the incinerator, anything that you're wearing, the eye warm, the heater bodysuit. These are all really, really bulky um, layers. And yeah. as a bow hunter, you don't want a ton of bulk. So comparing the fanatic to the sanctuary, are they about the same or is the sanctuary bulkier, slimmer? Um, on straight bulk, I'm going to say they're probably right about the same, you know, I'd, you know, they're both, I've worn over the 
you know, years of my entire bow hunting life, I've worn a lot of different, just, you know, random late season pieces. And before I got sick of our first light and I would put them at the slimmer, you know, um, slimmer end of the spectrum, I guess. But like you said, you can only get so non-bulky when it comes to late, late season, you know? Yeah. You're giving up, um, you're giving up something when you're trying to stay warm and, I would rather have a little bit of a bulkier setup and practice in that setup and it's doable. Um, right. It, it's either you wear that or you can't hunt. So right. which one are you going to do? And the nice thing about, you know, both of those, you know, companies is they make such good, um, pretty warm layering pieces where you don't have to get super bulky underneath where like, even when it was negative 20, I was wearing, you know, literally two layers Grant, they're both warm layers before the jacket wear. I remember being in like middle school hunting when it was this cold wearing, you know, it seemed like 12 jackets and good luck pulling your bow back. You yeah, know? you look you look like the Michelin man out there. Yeah, exactly. I that surprised me. I um so when I I, I don't ever have, find myself in those super, super cold scenarios. And I actually just um got the fanatic jacket this year and I wore it when it was like 35 degrees and I literally just wore a t-shirt underneath it. Yeah. And I, I was still almost too warm. Yep. And, um, but like if I'm wearing, so I have everything other than my super, super cold stuff is first light. So I have okay. the catalyst pants that I wear a ton throughout the yep. season. And if I'm wearing those catalyst pants and say it's 35 or 40 degrees, I wear the furnace, um, long johns but i also yep. wear the uh, kiln underneath that okay so i get a little uh, like i'm a little cold um i get cold quickly so yeah kind of surprised me that um when you go into the sanctuary you're only wearing the furnace but i can i can relate because in the fanatic if i were to wear the fanatic instead of the catalyst that would eliminate the need for another right. layer yeah i mean you could definitely if i had i didn't like, I really like that Uncompadre as a, you know, as a mid-layer. And if I had the Uncompadre pants, which they have, which I don't, I could see myself wearing that in between. But the other pants that I have almost kind of would just, I don't know. I don't think it really is even necessary. Yeah, but add, because... add another layer of bulk and you don't get much out of it. Right, exactly. Puffy, puffy layers are like the king of insulation. I'm yeah. a big, I'm a big vest guy. I have a, a puffy vest that I'll wear underneath as a layering system. I'm, I never wear the puffies on the outside because of how loud they are. Yeah. But if that's not the layer that is exposed, it's not brushing up against anything. So it's not making a ton of noise. That's going to be detrimental to like spooking a deer or something. But right. yeah, that's like one of the, once I went from uh, not using a puffy to using a puffy, there's a big difference. Yeah, even my puffy, I mean, I had never worn it deer hunting before just because everything you just mentioned. And I had it with me just wearing, you know, like when I wasn't hunting, I was like, hey, this would actually be a really good, instead of I was wearing like another hoodie or a different jacket that just, I didn't really like like the combo I was doing because usually I just go furnace Henley straight to the sanctuary, like down to probably around zero because it keeps me warm. But it was just, I just wanted that extra little layer when it was, you know, 20 below and the puffy i threw on i was like and it made a made a huge difference 
What are you doing for your face and head? What's the setup there? So first slice got their it's a tundra balaclava, I think is how you say it. And so it's a pretty much a over the head face mask, um, like, you know, super, super heavy duty warm and it pulls down. So pretty much, you know, you can picture it, you've only got like eyebrows to below your eyes that can be exposed. And then I put on just, you know, hat over that and sure that really helps. Sure. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's hard to layer up on your face, right? <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't do much there, especially when you need to fill your anchor point. So um, yeah. I can imagine being tucked behind that snow blind as much as possible. Yeah, pretty, pretty much keeping down low. You know, the first night out there, I sat from a tree stand and then went out and my, my buddies were out there hunting as well um, from the breaking point. And they're like, why the hell were you hunting from a tree stand? And I was like, yeah, I know. It's the last time I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. Not the play. No. Yeah. That's, but, that's, those are some incredible extreme temperatures, but I kind of got off track. I want to back up to the comparison first like Sitka. Um, yeah. It's kind of the, uh, it's kind of the consensus uh, in, in the industry or as uh, like the, the premium brand wears, it's almost the thought, at least I have it that Sitka's cold weather system is superior to first lights. Um, and I've talking to you a little bit off air that may have been true a couple of years ago, but it sounds like first lights making a big push to offer a better, uh, cold weather gear for whitetail hunter. So what's your, what's your kind of final thoughts on the running Sitka for a couple of years to now running first light for a couple of years? Yeah. I think my overall take on it would be, you know, Sitka has been, I think around longer in the whitetail space. You know, I think they, I guess I don't know um, Sitka's background as well, but I'm going to, I think they were, you know, initially started as a whitetail hunting piece, whereas first light was, you know, you know, born out of Western hunting and first lights really dove into the, the whitetail, you know, sector, I guess, in the last handful of years. And, you know, they're, they're both great. You know, they're, I mean, you really can't go wrong with either one. You're splitting hairs at that point. Um, but first light, when I switched to first light, you know, pretty much I knew their base layer layering system was going to be awesome. Um, but I, you know, when I first switched to them, initially I had a little bit of worry with just like, like we've talked about earlier, like I hunt in some of the coldest temperatures, I think probably in the whitetail spectrum. So I was a little worried on the late season stuff and initially was really impressed. Um, with the sanctuary and then this year with the sanctuary 2.0 have been even more impressed and when you when you head up the the sanctuary 2.0 and the and the fanatic i mean it's pretty much a win-win you know there's a couple little things that i that i prefer with the first light and there's a couple little things that if you could combine with the sitka you know where to make the ultimate but i'm sure like you know with the sitka they've got the the um diagonal zip hand muff you know and i've talked to people who are like oh i wish first light did the same thing well, well i'm sure sicko owns some type of patent on that or something but you know where that's really nice to have but you know then first light's got the external hand muff that you can put out that is super super warm that i love as well and so overall i mean like i said they're they're both really good yeah i think the what um what i want to kind of learn from you 
is okay. So the fanatic bib, for example, is 450 bucks. The first light sanctuary is 375. Is that price difference of the 75 extra dollars for the fanatic? Is it worth spending the extra money or um, save the money and go with the sanctuary? You know, I would say if you're just getting that piece, like, you know, let's say you had no other pieces and you weren't trying to match it. Like, so one thing I'll say with, you know, First Light and Sika, they both have such a good layering system, like certain pieces match so well. And you might be someone where you want to go Sika with Sika, where, you know, if you don't care about Mitch, you know, switching around or, or you're just going to just get those late season pieces. You know, I definitely would, I'd say go with the, the first light and you know that's 75 bucks and you can put towards um you know those trigger mitts or some different socks and inserts and stuff like that you know yeah or the the furnace um merino layers right uh, that's kind of the the point i wanted to make with it is like they're very comparable on uh, like a uh scale out of 10 we talked off air you're like like nine eight nine for each of yeah. them so they're very comparable, but you can save some money with First Light and build up your layering system maybe a little bit quicker than you could with uh, Sitka. And right. First Light is making a very noticeable noticeable push to um, appease the whitetail market. So I respect that. I'm happy that they are doing that. And I like you said, First Light's newer to the space. Yeah. So they're going to keep making improvements. And um, the the merino base layers are absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, it's some of the best merino quality you can have. I have my entire like until I get to like below forty degrees. Every single garment that I wear on my body is mer- merino wool. From yep. the pa- from the pants to the jacket, I wear the sawtooth jacket. I have the sawtooth yep. vest. I have all my, uh, the wick hoodie. I have the wick t-shirts, like every single piece is Merino wool. And that's because Merino wool works so well with Merino wool. And then if you throw a cotton piece or you throw a synthetic piece in, you muck up that layering system to where now that piece may be holding all the moisture and that's, what's going to make you cold. You can't move it away from your body. So, And, um, and people, you know, really think about the Merino wool when it's hot out. You know, which I think people don't really think about it as much when it's cold. And so when it's as cold as, you know, in below zero and you're worried about those, you know, everyone's worried about those outer layers, right? Which obviously you have to. But like, we, I mean, if you're not wearing some type of merino wool or something that's going to wick moisture, you know, next to your skin, it's when you, you know, if you have to walk even a couple hundred yards and let's say you're worried about getting cold. So now you're wearing that heavy piece over top on the walk and then you get sweated up. And now like, you're cutting your time, especially when it's that cold, you could be cutting it in half, you know, on how long you can stay comfortable. And when it's that cold, if you aren't comfortable, you know, semi-comfortable, you can just be really like screwed pretty much. Yeah. There's no point in me even being out there at that point. Then you're, no. you're fidgeting around, you're trying to stay warm. And like I mentioned earlier, you're not focused on what you're actually out there to do. You're just focused on trying to stay warm and right. you're wasting your time at that yeah. point. Um, so that's good. That's uh, that's what I wanted to hear. What's next for for Alex Comstock? What do you got planned for next year? What's what's coming up? That's a great question. Um, I don't really, you know, I need to. I wish I could start planning my 
my whitetail stuff like further in advance yeah but uh i mean i kind of want to i every year i want to start doing new things but you know i hunt pretty much four different main states and between minnesota nebraska north dakota and wisconsin and i live you know right on the minnesota wisconsin border um and you know i think next year i actually want to put more time into hunting north dakota i want to spend more time in minnesota um whereas this year it was kind of more willy-nilly and next year my goal is like this year my goal is to you know get a couple good bucks down and next year i kind of want to put in more time to really shoot like i want to go for something that i haven't shot yet kind of deer next year you know and so it's going to just be more same states but probably working a lot harder to try find more spots i guess sure bigger some bigger deer sure yeah um north dakota is a blast man it's my first time out there you helped me a lot with that um yes it's a sweet place north dakota is unlike anywhere i've hunted you know especially with uh you know out there you can hunt areas that aren't posted um which is a kind of a learning curve almost you know mm-hmm. especially coming from like minnesota wisconsin area or it's just, if it's not clearly marked public land you don't go in there you know if you don't have permission but you know where i just killed my bucks great example is just a about a mile away from where i had been spending most of my time this year and it's just one single cornfield that's not posted and you know with north dakota if anyone's listening to, you know maybe it's north dakota for the first time you know you can you got to make sure it's not posted but then you also have to make sure it's not posted online mm-hmm. you know onyx has a electronic layers layer where you can see if it's electronically posted but if it's not it's you know it's fair game and uh like that pick cornfield is able to go in and hunt it and you know get her done so hell yeah yeah that's pretty amazing so uh alex i have a couple kind of rapid fire questions so what is one item you will not hunt without outside of like the necessities to kill one item that i will not hunt without i'm gonna go binoculars i don't know if that's a necessity but i've got buddies that don't bring binos with them on every hunt and whether i'm hunting in areas where you might only be able to shoot 20 yards or where i was just out in north dakota where you can see a mile um i always i feel naked if i don't have binoculars on me yeah that that's a great answer that ha- that answer hasn't happened yet and i think anyone that hunts without binoculars is just silly yeah um mechanical or fixed blade broadheads i've always shot mechanical uh grunt call or rattling antlers I'm definitely going grunt call what is one hunting item that you bought that you thought would be awesome that turned out to not be something you use a rattling bag perfect <laughs> yeah uh how much does your arrow weigh uh it's like 560 grains nice what is your all-time favorite day to be in the woods you have to pick one day Oof. all-time favorite day can i pick a week yeah i'd say the third week of december whoa that's not something anyone said why is I, that I, I just where I've, I've killed i think three bucks in the last six years seven years in that week of december uh like between that 10th and 20th pretty much the late season king um, i'd pick i'd pick the like november 7th 8th time frame but i haven't I killed a buck this year, November, for the first time in 10 years. So it's kind of hard for me to 
pick yeah. November at that point. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. All right, guys. Well, that that's going to do it for, for this talk here. I hope you guys have learned something. Alex, thanks for taking the time to hopefully help some people stay warm in negative 20 <laughs> degree yeah. months. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. If anyone has any questions for you or wants to see what you have going on, where can they find you? Yeah, you can just go to whitetaildna.com or if you want to just, you know, write in YouTube, type in whitetaildna, you know, it'll bring you right to it. And that's where the, the YouTube videos will live. So the North Dakota video will be up uh, probably about second week of January, I'd say. So I don't know when this is going to go live, but yeah, this is going to go live around that same time. So that'll be perfect. Perfect. Cool. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, I appreciate it.